Don't be all day on that. You got the wrong guy. Yeah, I don't think so. Unless I'm not talking to Frank Castle. You know, let's not waste time. You're Frank Castle, right? Frank Castle, the dead man? Next two of us now. You're more right than you know. You are not the only ghost in this town, Frank. Hey, did you ever get that disc that I left for you at your house? Yeah. Yeah, I got it. Did you watch it? Micro. What is that? Is it? Is it some sort of name? Sure. That'll do for now. You got something you want to discuss with me? Would you, would you come on down here, huh? Yeah. Buy a cup of coffee and talk about it. You know, I don't think that would end so well. You need to understand first. You need to really know why you can't kill me. Then we can meet. Welcome to Panels to Pixels. Tonight's episode will be number two. So uh, tonight's episode will be about The Punisher episode two from Netflix. My guest host tonight will be Paik Allen. Hey! Hello, Paik. <laughs> How are you? I am doing well. Awesome. So, uh, I'm just going to ask you to give a brief description of the episode and uh, we'll go from there. All right. Well, uh, you said this is episode two, Two Dead Men, and I guess the overall uh, overlying theme of this episode and kind of the main story of what happens, this is where Frank kind of meets Micro. They have their first encounters and kind of play a little cat and mouse game with each other throughout the episode to figure out who each other, uh, who each other are. And then on the other side of the episode, we have Madani, going after, not really going after, but trying to get into contact with Billy Russo and then figure out what is going on from her side at the same time. And those are kind of the two main stories. So, yeah, sums up pretty good, I guess. Yeah, it was a really good episode. Oh, yeah. I'm, I'm glad you made me rewatch this one. I forgot how good this one is. <laughs> I think it's very important. I think a lot of people should rewatch it. <laughs> All right, so basically, uh, we're going to have a top five, everyone. We did this before last week, uh, or last episode, with uh, Avelino Rashino. Uh We're going to do the same with Paik. So uh, our top five comes in. So, Paik, what's your uh, number five? All right, my number five is pretty simple, but I thought I picked the return of Karen Page and Ellison, the editor. I thought it was just kind of cool. I love it. Just, it shows that how these shows are connected to the rest of the Marvel Netflix universe. By I mean, we know Karen Page would come back because she has sort of a relationship with Frank Castle, but just even to see Ellison, the same editor from Daredevil, that worked with Karen coming back and reprising his role as an editor that she talks to there at the paper just to kind of get that universe built a little bit more. I like that. Yeah, it's. It, I, I was happy to see uh, Karen Page come out again. Um, that's a character that's definitely prevalent in the Daredevil series as well as with Punisher. But for the fact that, you know, 
he was introduced in Daredevil, so to me that was awesome. Uh, yeah. I can never get enough of that actress, too. She's beautiful. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, uh, I remember her from True Blood when she first started, and that was awesome. I, you know, I thought of her, the, the quirky, tall, skinny redhead with the pretty face, and oh, my God, you know, we all love her. But, uh, yeah, I, I agree. That That's definitely awesome. Uh, my number five was uh, Frank reflecting on his family. You know, right. his interactions with his kids at uh, on the Liberty Ferry going to Statue of Liberty. Uh, you know, I only did that maybe once in my life, and it was awesome. And the fact that, uh, you know, it, it's it's amazing. You know, it's like, you know, to see those sites and everything else. Li- Liberty Island is awesome to see. Yeah, I've done it. I've done it once as well. You say you live yeah. in New York, though, don't you? Yeah, I lived there for the first 27 years of my life, and, uh, you know, I maybe did that twice in my Mm -hmm. lifetime. And uh, going up to the statue itself and everything is awesome. From uh, everybody that I know that lives in New York, that kind of tends to be how it is. I've I've noticed is the people that that live there don't do any of the touristy things ever, for the most part. Uh, I always try to make it uh, uh, an effort to actually do that. The only thing I didn't <laughs> do was the World Trade Center, unfortunately, mm-hmm. back in the day. I did the Empire State Building, and, you know, you do the Momo and, you know, Museum of Natural History and all those yeah. good things. It's great stuff. Uh, but, uh, you, know, you know, so sad that, you know, World Trade. But regardless, <laughs> the... Uh, the episode shows him on the boat with his kids and how his interactions and his love of his children. And then on yeah. top of that, you know, how he disciplines his son because the son makes a quirky comment. Mm-hmm. And that quirky comment uh, about the war and what dad does, you know, it it, it kind of symbolizes what's going on around today. But yeah, uh, honestly, it's like, you know, to me, it, it showed an insight of who he was and where he came from and what he was doing when he was in the army. Mm-hmm. Or I, um, was it special ops? I, I forget. I don't know if it was Marine, special ops, or Army. Yeah. I can't recall. But yeah. whatever, whatever team he was on when the stuff that causes the issues in this uh, series, exactly. that time that was that was like a secret, not even on the books kind of thing. But yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. it's like uh, it's all the remembrances of his family and everything that yeah. happened. So it's like he's reflecting on the good times, some of the bad times, and, you know, there was one dream sequence that, that came into fruition that shows exactly what he was going through after mm-hmm. the events of Daredevil, after his a- attacks on everybody that had, you know, destroyed his life and his family. And uh, he uh, come, wakes up, or it's in a dream sequence where his wife comes into the room, kisses him, but he sees himself come from behind and shoot her in the head. Now, that's very extreme, but also very prevalent because he feels like he's killed his family based upon what he's done in life. Yeah. So, to me, that, that was a very, uh, very important scene to show because it's showing a man a- agonizing over everything. Mostly it's PTSD, but plus everything that he's done after or what had happened to his family and how he feels like, did I create this? So that, you know, it's his way of, like, moving away. 
So, you know, that, that was my number five because it actually shows the real human in him. You know, that we all feel he's not just somebody out there shooting and killing for no reason. He's out there for the right reasons, uh, just like he did for, you know, his friend who he worked with in construction that was wrapped up in that whole thing in the first episode. So he's trying to do the right thing, but the only way, right thing he knows how to do is violence. And to make things right in his mind is to stop these guys because they were doing the wrong thing and getting a, a good kid involved. So he's trying to prevent anybody else from making any bad mistakes. So that was my number five. <laughs> I like that. All right. My, uh, my number four is what I wrote down was Revenge on the Dirty Wolf. <laughs> but no, this was as, as Carson Wolf and his story throughout the episode where at the beginning and after episode one you kind of get these thoughts that okay maybe he's a little dirty maybe there's something going on in the background it starts with you know in episode one where he's blocking Madani from going after and pursuing her investigation on what happened in Afghanistan and all of that stuff and so you wonder well why is he so adamant about this I guess maybe he's involved it could be possible and then, then you find out that, okay, now he had the micro stuff covered up, so maybe he really is involved for sure. And then it really nails it, and you find out for sure when Frank is interrogating in the matter, kind of towards the end of the episode, where he spills the beans completely once he thinks he has the upper hand on Frank, giving his, you know, classic villain dialogue that, ooh, now that I have you trapped I'm going to go ahead and tell you everything about all of my plans but it wasn't cheesy I just <laughs> it was it was good the way they did it but yeah. that's when when Frank really finds out and whenever he tells him like yep like we ordered your family to be killed but also it was because of you but we figured you know if we kill enough people that you dying you know covered in all these other bodies and all these other casualties that nobody's really going to look into why we killed you because it was just a tragedy it was a massacre and nothing could have been done about it and you can see how pissed off frank is while he's telling him all of this which yeah, is yeah he was yeah hey he was ready to kill him <laughs> which is why it was so satisfying when you finally see him get that revenge which yeah. i thought was kind of hilarious how the tables turned back and forth but it was cool at the same time is because he shoots him in the leg one time while interrogating him and I, I, you know, to show him that, okay, this gun is loaded. And I wonder if he purposely was thinking that Wolf was going to get the gun from him or if it was just like a precaution measure. I don't know. But having just that one bullet in it to where he shoots Wolf and then when Wolf gets the gun on him, gives his speech, and then click. And nothing happens where he gives that great line. It was just like, you know, gun's empty, asshole, kind of thing. And I love that. <laughs> Had just the one bullet and... That's it's cool. Yeah, that 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 led to my number two, but uh, yeah, I do agree that that was a definitely intense scene. But it, it shows Frank's uh, ability to interrogate and not take any crap from anybody. <laughs> um, and on top of that, getting the information that he needed. Yeah. Uh, yeah, my number four was uh, finding Karen and asking her for help. Uh, just after he visited Kurt and asking uh, who else knows about me because Micro, from that introduction, was trying to get at Frank 
and saying, hey, I know who you are and this and that, uh, Mr. Hipster and the diner, and, uh, you know, it was really interesting. Uh, to me, I, I really enjoyed that whole interaction in the diner, but the thing is, is my number four was, from Karen's point of view, it's like bringing back somebody from Daredevil into this universe, uh, the, the, to this series. Uh, you know, honestly, we've seen that before with uh, Luke Cage mm -hmm. uh, and uh, the nurse and, and everything else. So, you know, to me, it's like bring everything all together within it. So uh, whether or not, you know, the Punisher becomes a Defender is another story and <laughs> the next Defender series, but that would be interesting. But the fact that he actually... Um, puts trust into Karen to investigate about Micro. Get that information about him. Find out who Dave is. And, uh, you know, Lieberman, you know, comes up on her radar. She gets the information, finds out where his, uh, you know, his wife is, the kids, and then Frank investigates. Mm -hmm. And Which, to me, uh, that was really good. And it shows that he actually does care for Karen. Yeah. Uh he actually gives Karen a uh you know, a flower to put out. Now she goes, Oh, you bring flowers to all the women and he goes, Well, <laughs> yeah, this is pretty much for a signal. So yeah, yeah it was a like, clever yeah. way of doing that. I like that. The flowers. Yeah, so messages. it's like if you see or know something or if you're in danger, here, put this here. So, <laughs> you know, to me honestly, uh, it it made sense, but it also shows that the true tenderness because him embracing Karen and hugging her and showing that he does care for somebody other than himself and what's going on. Yeah. Uh, other than Kurt or that kid that we saw that, you know, was involved in the first episode. It, it shows that he has a lot of love for people, but he just does not know how to give it. So, yeah. but he also needs the help. <laughs> so he knows that these people are close to him, and he only confides into those people he he cares for, and that could help him, which mm -hmm. is awesome. So now I think what was really cool though is it shows a little bit more into Karen in that conversation, and throughout the episode when they meet up, is you see that even as good of a relationship that Karen and Frank do have, that. It's not that she doesn't trust him, but you can tell she's still a little scared or worried about who is this person, like who is he really capable of going back to being or becoming. Where he, When she has that information on Micro, she even tells him, she's like, now, I want to give you this, but I need to know with whatever information I give to you, this doesn't wind up with somebody being dead, does it? Because, you know, I, I believe Karen is afraid of she doesn't want to be and I don't think she's capable of being who Frank Castle is and that's probably a good thing but yeah yeah I, I think it, it, it spawns to the idea of in any comic book that you have somebody around you even though you're a hero some people look at you as being evil and in this case you know uh, the Punisher was always pretty much predicted as like an anti-hero yeah and all the comics in the very beginning he was a villain you know, and uh, Amazing Spider-Man 129 that Avellino actually mentioned, and he and I both had at one point. Um, he was looked at as being an enemy or a villain. Mm -hmm. uh, in this case, it, it, he's the anti-hero. He doesn't know he's a hero, but he does all the things that you shouldn't do as a hero <laughs> to get what he needs to get done. And uh, and 
the same thing could be said about Daredevil too, because he's a vigilante and he's doing yeah. all these things. But you know, yeah, it's like he he showed his uh, softer side, and yeah. he, you know, to me that that is awesome. You know, it's like it, it's showing the real person within. Um, we don't see him with the garb of the Punisher, just like we did in the very beginning of the uh, first episode when he was finalizing everybody who in the cartel or whoever was trying to take out, and uh, he kind of put that away. Yeah. Uh, now he's doing kind of like Daredevil did in the very first season of Daredevil where he only wore was black or kept himself hidden. Uh, put a mask on that you can't see his face. So to me, honestly, that you know this this is like kind of an evolution of the character in itself too, because we saw him as the evil person in Daredevil, and then he kind of switched, <laughs> and then in the very beginning of this, you see him where he was, and then he is full bearded and longer hair and different name, and and then happens upon all these things that happened to him. And it and in this episode it just doesn't show until the very beginning when he's in that diner and he looks at the paper and it shows about the card game and saying it was like a homicide suicide situation. Mm-hmm. So yeah, that was a that was an interesting uh, take on it and then where it just shifts to him with Micro looking into him and trying to get you know pretty much antagonizing him in some way <laughs> I think so. That that was that was my feeling on that. Cool, like that. All right, is it uh, my number three? Correct. All right, cool. My number three uh, kind of tags on to one of your earlier ones, which was the family and the family aspect. But mine, more specifically, I think was just like the inspiration or the drive that the characters get from their families. And so you have Frank, who with those flashbacks and memories of his kids and his wife where it kind of reminds you that this is who Frank Castle is on a very base level and that's who the Punisher is is he is he started all of this as vengeance for his family and for the people that did him wrong by killing his family and so I think that's still a big driving factor on why he's doing what he's doing is it's all about trying to set himself Right, and like you said, now that he's kind of gotten into that place where he questions, well, is it my fault? Did I kill my family? In a way that now I've got to set these things right with myself because of everything that has happened. But then on the other side, you have Lieberman, who everything he's doing right now is really because of his family and for his family. He's been pretending to be dead for a year, hiding out in this place, because he knows that if he showed his face, if he came to light, that his family would be in peril, would be in danger. And so he's having to make that sacrifice to where he just has to let his family believe that he's dead in order to keep them safe. And then, yeah, like (laughs) he's doing that for them. But now I guess he's reached that point where he's like, something has to be done to where he's gone to, you know, try to get the aid of Frank Castle, which is a crazy idea. So you know that he's kind of desperate at this point, but, this is what he's got to do in order to protect his family and you know, not have to keep himself hidden and keep worrying about them all of the time. Yeah, yeah, definitely. It, definitely th- this episode had a lot in it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I have to agree with that. 
my number three was about Frank figuring out who Micro is with Karen's aid. You know, she used her uh, reporting and uh, investigative uh, routines uh, to find out and found it through an article about somebody who was Micro and got all the information and then was able to find, uh, you know, David's wife and kids and giving that information to Frank. And then Frank's just showing up and implying like he got hit by her car while she was backing out. <laughs> and then uh, on top of that, you know, it's like him getting more information out of, you know, Dave's wife. And then uh, finding out what he did, uh, what happened. And then, you know, and then Michael going crazy. And then being the investigative person that he is with all the cameras and everything in the house coming out to the house looking with a gun to shoot Frank because he thinks he's going to kill his wife which uh, yeah. he doesn't do but the thing is is that he's trying to be more helpful trying to be very human about certain things and understanding from the wife's perspective this guy they said that to his wife that he's dead but he's not dead but he's hiding but he's also trying to get you know Frank to do all these things so Frank's like trying to be you know, it's like wow uh, he's separating himself from his family because he doesn't want his family hurt but also you know he, and Frank doesn't have a family because of everything that he's done and it came up and you know now he's just like alright I'm just going to lend a hand because I feel sorry for the woman and this guy can't even come through and even come see his wife <laughs> or do anything and say hey I'm alive and put their lives in danger so now he starts to see a certain side of micro but whether or not he wants to help him or do anything is another story yeah still and on the fence he, I think at that point yeah he, he winds up fixing uh, the, the garage door for her because she he had a breakdown in the driveway trying to put the car back into the garage and it's like oh my god those are one of the things he was supposed to fix and he never did that poor so, woman that had to be just like the worst day <laughs> yeah exactly it's like, trying to know. come home and I'm already you know, had a fight with my kids and now I'm running over random people and my garage isn't working <laughs> exactly it's like we don't ever want that um, so uh, what was your number two my number two is um something a little different from everything else we've talked about, but I, I really liked the other storyline of Dina Madani, Agent Madani, and her interactions with Billy Russo, uh, especially the way that she kind of snuck into talking to, to Russo, because I think what I mentioned earlier is Wolf had shut down all of her investigation into what had happened in Afghanistan, and she knew that Russo was involved in some way, whether or not he was specifically involved with what happened with her boyfriend, but at least he was part of this team that Frank was with, and then he was over there at similar times, and so she had to talk to him, but couldn't get through to Wolf, so she kind of took this backdoor way of doing it, which was finding out that Russo had this security company, Anvil, and hiring them with Wolf's permission, without, I guess, him really realizing what she was doing, as yeah. the the team to train her and her people so that way she could get into that, do their training, and then she would have an excuse to, to meet up with Russo and talk with him. And I thought that was cool. <laughs> yeah, it was really cool in the sense that, you know, she realized, like, he realized, like, wow, this is not a date. 
<laughs> and kept asking about it's like, oh, well, so who are you? And then yeah. she want yeah, she winds up fessing up and talking a little bit about it, but also <laughs> in, inquiring about Frank because Frank was part of his crew and and there, and she learns that at, at some point. Mm-hmm. But you know, making it sound like he was his friend or something. So you know, to me that was really interesting in the sense that she got. You know, it's like deep cuts into what was going on over there yeah. and who he was and who she was getting more, trying to get more information about Frank. And I think this kid really, you know, Russo knew. He's like, oh, no. <laughs> it's like, oh, she just wants me for information. <laughs> I'm not going to get a date. I'm not getting a kiss. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, it's like it, it was one of those weird things. So, yeah, I... Uh, yeah, I enjoyed that scene too. It's like, you know, it's the one in the bar and you they're just sitting around casually and next you know everything comes out. It's like, oh crap. <laughs> it's like here we see it. <laughs> it was good to see kind of the cleverness that Madani has that she when she puts her mind to something, like she's going to get there and I like that. I like yeah. that a lot. <laughs> yeah. And it's funny too, because if you look at her and the way she is, she's very driven. Mm-hmm. And you could tell that from the way she holds herself, the way she talks, and then you know, and then she put that little sly talk, you know. Um, uh, and I, I do believe there was a scene with her and her mother and about drinking. <laughs> it's like you, you drink too much, and this and that and the other, blah blah blah. It's like, uh, yeah, because it's the work and everything else. And but the thing is, is she's very passionate about her what she does. Yeah. So you know, and I think that's what drives her is the passion of her work and everything else. So the Madani, uh, the the Madani character is very very cool to have mm-hmm. around. Um, great it, it, it uh, addition. <laughs> yeah, definitely yeah. very a great addition. Uh, mm-hmm. to the actual series. So, but uh, what was your number two? That that was that was my number two. So well, that was yours. Your number two. <laughs> uh, my number two. Uh, well, that would be Wolf. <laughs> okay. <laughs> the encounter with Wolf. You mentioned it before. Definitely shooting him in the leg and this and that, trying to get. But of course, you know Frank getting all the information he can, and it was very brutal. Uh, it was nice to see C. Thomas Hell actually, you know, fight. <laughs> in an episode, you know, it's like he's an older man now, and the last time we saw him was a, uh, uh, what was it, Amazing Spider-Man one? Yeah, mm-hmm. I think so. Yeah, he played uh, father in that one. Mm-hmm. To me, that that was awesome. It's like, oh wow, he's coming back. He shows a little bit of age, but honestly, he's a great actor. Uh, I enjoyed him back in the day as a kid. So, um, you know, it's nice to see him. And on top of that, he plays a really nasty character. And obviously it was uh, all the information that uh, Frank needed, like you said earlier. Yeah. He, I, don't, he, I don't think anybody, honestly, even in his age, he fought really well. Like, I don't think anybody could have taken him on other than Frank Castle at this point. Like, exactly. While like, watching that scene, I was just like, man, if I ever tried to break into this guy's house to get anything from him, like, I'd be dead in an instant. I don't want to mess with that guy. But yeah, Frank's he, not worried. Wolf had to be in his late 50s. <laughs> and he's like, oh, it's like, I'm going to flip you over. Oh, I got you. Mm-hmm. You know, the, the one thing, you know, it's like the shot to the leg and, you know, getting all the information. At least he confessed and gave him all the information he needed as much as Frank didn't want to hear it, but he mm-hmm. had to, and he got all the information that he needed. The thing is, is that, you know, in the end, he goes, well, this just stays with me, and then he snaps his neck to me. That yeah. was like, wow. 
Well, that was an ender. Here's what I, I want to pick your brain on a little bit. We can dive into it a little bit more. Sure. Is because the information he went for was for Micro. I don't think he knew that Wolf was involved with his family's death until that point. Do you? No, I don't think so at all. I yeah, you know, it's like I I think that Frank just learned it just like you yeah. do at that point, and uh, you know it's it's amazing. It's like <laughs> he just learned that, and he was like, and he just left. He was like, all right, I'm just gonna end this guy. I forget all the information I need out of him. Boom. So done. do you think do you think that if he wouldn't have found that information out and only went there for info on Micro, would he still have killed Wolf at the end of it? Um. The, with the way Wolf was actually fighting back, uh, probably not. I don't know. Uh, definitely, once he found out who he was, once he was unmasked, I think he there was really no turning back at that point. But yeah. But if everything yeah. would have gone, I guess, to Frank's original plan, where if he probably would have stayed masked, interrogated the guy, got what he needed, and got out, he may not have killed him. I I think you're probably correct for the fact. But I I put it in this perspective now that he had confessed all the information he knew who Frank was and Frank got all the truth out of him saying yeah I we your family was expendable and that's what we needed to do for what we needed to have to do so uh, that put like okay you're another marker that I had to put on my list you know, and Frank had a list at one point if you remember way back in Daredevil where he was going down the list of everybody that was involved and he was higher up and he had no clue so at this yeah. point it was like nope done you're yeah. you're gone <laughs> and so uh it, it was kind of justifiable in a sense where it's like he got i wouldn't say the ultimate revenge for his family but at least that is another one off the list that yeah. he didn't even know about so he's probably in his mind wondering who else is out there who else has this information, and who else do I have to kill? Yeah. Just to get this off his conscience and, you know, his conscience and his his heart, pretty much. You know, it's like, you know, he wants he wants justice for his family. You know, mm-hmm. and it, which is pretty much almost similar to back in the day if uh, you were a heavy metal enthusiast like I am, Megadeth doing the song Holy Wars, and it pretty much lays out exactly... It's like uh, Frank Castle's idea and that whole story arc in that song is about, you know, him taking out those cartels and uh, for what they did to his family and everything else and then enslaving him to do what they needed him for. Mm-hmm. So, and in this case, he was trying to get back and it's like, no, this, I'm going to, I'm going to do this. So to me, this, you know, the show is actually very cool. Uh, yeah. It's, oh, yeah. You know, honestly, it's full of violence, and if you binge watch it in one day, it's a full day of depression, <laughs> <laughs> as some people would say. But uh, uh, to me, I enjoyed it very well. A lot of my friends mm-hmm. are interested and love it, uh, you included. And uh, I get to talk at work. It's like you know, uh, it's like, hey, did you watch? I was like, yeah. Oh my god, that scene. <laughs> it's like, yes, <laughs> I know. So yeah, it's very good. As dark as it is, I I binged it all in two days because I had to. It's because it is yeah. that just captivating. I love that. <laughs> yeah, I I think I I watched 
I watched it in one day. Because, uh, <laughs> I, I, it's like I had the lo- lovely benefit of having like three days off, and I was like, no, this is my day where I just stay around and stink mm-hmm. and watch this from morning till night. Yep. And I did. And then I watched a few episodes in between, like the next day, to say, oh, I want to watch that again. And it's like, oh, I'm depressed again. Well, I'm not watching this. <laughs> it's like, but honestly, it's like it's a good story. Oh, and it's great. The yeah. whole point, you know, it's like it's one of those things like we all wish, in the deep, dark chasms of our minds, wanting to do on our own, but we can't. But you know, due to being the right way of who we are, and we're not superheroes or kind of those kind of comic booky things. Yeah. Uh, we live in a realistic life. So, but the thing is, is that uh, he, uh, it's our way of watching it and going, wow. And there are sometimes those things in this world. So, but at least we have this to watch and make us feel better about who we are and feel better about there are sometimes those people out there that are in some ways like him. So, mm-hmm. yeah, to me, it's like if there were those people out there against these people that are doing heinous things against us, that would be awesome. Yeah. <laughs> but, yeah. but anyhow, we'll, we'll move on to our number one. Okay. Well, uh, my number one, and I think you, you touched on it just a little bit, but kind of in a general sense, it's just all of the uh, major confrontations or dialogues or cat and mouse game between Micro and Frank throughout the episode, but uh, specifically um, kind of beginning and end, which I think is cool that this this episode was kind of perfect and book-ended by, at the beginning, you have Micro kind of tricking Frank in order to get closer to him, which I thought was awesome the way that he did it with the flashlight and the mirror trying to make you know get Frank to go over to the other building even though he was on top of the same diner the whole time. Very clever. Mm-hmm. And then bookending it with the ending where you have Frank kind of tricking Micro with having him drive around all these places. Okay, another 20 minutes, another 20 minutes, another 20 minutes. <laughs> or you could you could see that, you know, Micro's getting really frustrated with it, but then just to get to the end and Curtis come out and be like, ah, Frank decided he doesn't want to play your games anymore. Yep. And, <laughs> you know, he's not feeling it. Then you can tell just Micro's so mad, and then he so he doesn't stop to really think, and so he gets in the car and drives back to the hideout where Frank had taken that time to crawl into the trunk, so he could get back to his hideout, which is just awesome. <laughs> yeah, the old switcheroo. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, but the thing is, yeah, that that leads to my number one too, which is like Frank figuring out Dave and what he's doing. Lieberman is doing all his things in this episode, and uh, sending Kurt out at the uh, you know the graveyard telling him no <laughs> he mm-hmm. doesn't want this and then hiding in his uh trunk <laughs> uh you know it's like wow i was like okay and then you know and then you know next episode we get the wonderful feeling of frank attacking dave <laughs> <laughs> but you know to me honestly it's like you know it's like it ended at the right point it left at a cliffhanger it's like what all right, he's not gonna. And then next, you know, you see, it's like, oh, he's in the trunk. <laughs> mm-hmm. So that that to me, it's like it rounded off like a, a good cliffhanger to the next episode. Yes. So um, eventually, we'll we'll get that. Um, so 
I, yeah. I love all the focus on those two characters, and it's something I didn't notice, I think, the first time around, really, because I was just binging through it and being like, oh, next, 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 Ta- not taking the time to really digest and break things down as much. So now doing that is the episode title itself really didn't click with me. We had the two dead men is yeah. obviously it's a reference to like the oh. poem or verse that that Frank is talking you know with his kids right at the very beginning but then on a deeper level is it is that that you know kind of game between Micro and Frank these are the two dead men these are the two ghosts the guys that have been dead and killed and are now having to kind of unite and work with each other and so I thought that was cool yeah it's uh, man uh, it, uh, when I when I saw the two dead men thing, the first thing I thought was, okay, are they talking about Frank and are they talking about Dave? Mm-hmm. You know, it's got to be those two because they are two dead men in technically yeah. because Frank Castle is technically dead. Yeah. Uh, you know, to but and so is Dave. Dave is not there. So, you know, I think technically the the episode is about those two and who yep. they are and what's going on. So I agree. Um, but, you know, which leads us to who we have next week. So uh, episode three, Kandahar. I'm trying to figure out who do we have next week. That uh, would be Steve Brown. Steve. So yeah, big old <laughs> Steve. Steve Brown's going to be with me next next episode, and we're going to be talking about uh, Punisher Episode 3, Kandahar. So, um, then we move on. All right. So, this is comic news. And uh, the first episode, I actually talked about comic news. Comic news is basically anything that's going around within the uh, movie universe of all comics or uh, TV shows comic books in general that are coming out that are like grasping our our thoughts and our hopes and dreams of what we could watch and read so uh do you have anything for us Paige? um not um yeah i do i've got a couple of news things not with uh comic books in specific been reading some but not really anything connected um okay. but i think I, I found some interesting news on uh just the Marvel Netflix series as a whole outside of Punisher, all the rest of them. And so the first one that I found was kind of cool is that Disney may not be able to move those Marvel series from Netflix. This is from uh, CBR.com. They were uh, saying, you know, a lot of confusion and concern has been stirred up among Marvel fans when Disney announced that they're going to move forward with their own direct-to-consumer streaming platform, which is designed to compete with services like Netflix. And... There's not a name for it right now, but it comes out in 2019 is when they're planning on launching this. And they would house content from all of their various IPs like Star Wars, Pixar, and you know which those currently have film streaming on Netflix. But people are wondering, well, what's going to happen to your Netflix original Marvel shows, your Daredevil, Jessica Jones, Luke Cage, Iron Fist, Defenders, and now Punisher. And uh, Netflix apparently maintains the rights to keep the series already on the service and potentially continue to produce more starring those characters. Uh, The Hollywood Reporter said that uh, Disney has created some really killer brands, and it's not that exclusive. Netflix has the Defenders. Hmm. So it looks like everything in this universe should stay on Netflix, and we don't have to worry about losing that to the Disney 
competition. <laughs> Hopefully. I'm hoping yeah. that would be the case. Yeah. I'm not too thrilled with the idea of like having to spend another eight dollars a month for another online uh, right. app, you know. There mm -hmm. I think the place is kind of inundated with all this. Yeah. How do you feel about that? Um I mean it's it's cool that they're doing it, but it's gonna take a lot for me to actually want to buy into it. And I don't know, do, what, does Disney have what it takes to keep me interested in buying? Because the thing with Netflix or Hulu, which I have both of those, is the variety. You get all kinds of different stories from different you know, companies and different creators and different things. And you have, if everything on this one service falls under a Disney umbrella, then it all has to be relatively family-friendly. And so I don't know, I mean, they own things like Star Wars and Marvel and which are two of my favorite things and so there's a there's a possibility that they can tie they they can bring me in but we'll have to see <laughs> yeah i i kind of feel the same way uh you know i don't know it's like i love star wars i love marvel uh i love pixar all that good stuff that everybody's doing uh, yeah. the thing is is to to spend that extra money per month uh, I don't know. It's like they would yeah. have to do a ratings thing for specific shows if that were the case. Yeah. Because uh, between Jessica Jones, uh, Luke Cage, uh, even the Defenders, because all the cursing and everything that's going on in these episodes and these shows, it's ridiculous. Yeah. It's amazing. It's like, whoa. It's like this is stuff that we wanted as kids, but we weren't allowed to watch. Or yeah. <laughs> Sometimes but, you forget uh, you're watching a Marvel property. and it's, it's Exactly. Cool. It's like, you know, it's like, you know, it's like when they talk about rape or just killing in Jessica Jones, you're like, and on top of that, that, that was more of a mental thing, which yeah. eventually I want to get into with uh, Jessica Jones, but that's that's at a later time, uh, yeah. probably just before the actual Jessica Jones season two comes out. Which, so, which saying that ties into another thing that I picked up, if you don't mind. Um, something I noticed was just kind of the original, the Marvel lineup if somebody hasn't seen it or is interested in it without doing a digging yourself that I can kind of tell you as far as what they have on the pipeline is Jessica Jones season two is confirmed for early 2018 and hopefully not too spoiler or anything for anybody who's watched that but it has been confirmed David Tennant will be returning in some form for season two um, Luke Cage season two has been confirmed for spring or summer of 2018 and they've announced the actors and character names of kind of the villains for season two, which is interesting. We have uh, Mustafa no Shakir. Okay, you don't want me to do that? <laughs> no, no, we don't want any spoilers. Okay. I don't want Can any spoilers at this point. Because okay, cool, cool. That, those could change, honestly. Um, yeah, some people yeah. are really, you know, okay with, okay, I like a little hint, and then some people don't want any at all, so... Yeah, That's cool. I, yeah. I let the, those people, you know, figure that out on on their own and go on with that. Cool, cool, um, cool. So I can at least give the confirmations on what's coming. Oh, definitely. Yeah. So yeah Daredevil yeah, season three is confirmed for fall 2018. Okay. So so it looks like 2018 next year will be Jessica Jones, Luke Cage, and Daredevil, two two three, wow. and then Iron Fist season two has been confirmed, but it it's 2019, but they don't have a specific time frame yet. 
And then I as far as Punisher 2 or Defenders 2, neither of those have been given any kind of second season renewal, but it's possible, I guess. <laughs> oh, I could ask John Bernthal this weekend at Walker Stalker Convention, so... All right, that would be cool. I don't know how much he could say, but... <laughs> uh, I don't know. I could poke his brain a little bit. I Catch him backstage and be like, just between you and me. <laughs> no, no, no. When I do my photo op, I'll ask him. And yeah, me. there you go. <laughs> <laughs> hey, you want to come on a podcast? <laughs> yeah, do number 13. <laughs> so, but yeah, it's like, yeah, it's like we're all looking forward to it. It's like no matter what, I'm a Marvel fan. I, it's like as a kid, I grew up on Marvel. I always, you know, my favorite, you know, superhero is always Spider-Man, but then after that would be the Hulk, Fantastic Four, X-Men, and everything else. So, but uh, I'm just glad that hopefully eventually WB moves everything over to Marvel. But we it, won't it know that. looks like it's still, I thought it was dead, but recently it's come out that I guess there are still kind of talks going on, so... Yeah, well, when, we'll see. when you... Well, they noticed what's going on with Sony and with Spider-Man that, you know, Marvel's actually done something and Kevin Feige is uh, a guru of getting these superhero shows out the way it should be. Yeah. And it all started really with Iron Man and to think, you know, they took a character like Iron Man and moved on and did this, whereas DC is still struggling. And mm -hmm. I have yet to see Justice League. I really want to see it, as well as Thor Ragnarok. But yeah. my feeling is is that uh, uh, DC has a great TV lineup with Flash, Legends of Tomorrow, uh, Arrow, and Supergirl. Yeah. Um, whereas uh, Ag Agents, Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. and Inhumans have been suffering. Yes, uh, I agree. And uh, honestly, I I was hoping for the more with Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. Uh, when they showed The Absorbing Man, I was so excited. I, <laughs> I was like a kid in the candy store when I was like, oh my God, he's, he's real. And then uh, it kind of moved on to the Inhuman standpoint. And I'm like, oh. Yeah, it's like there's only so much. But, you know, Marvel has definitely carved a notch in movie cinematic. Oh, absolutely. Uh, history when it comes to uh, to actual comic book movies. Uh, TV-wise, not so much. But uh, DC has made that, and I think they've done that since Smallville. Mm-hmm. Uh, when they hit Smallville, and even with Lois and Clark, and there was a couple other earlier shows, even Superboy back in the day, they did well. Um, yeah. But when it comes to movies, the last really good movie, and my honesty, honest opinion with DC was always uh, Batman, but that was the Tim Burton Batman. <laughs> uh, and then everything else I, I liked. I can't say I hated a lot of yeah. people I know out there go convictively, I hate this. Oh, yeah. Well, I'm, to me, you know, I'm just like a kid in a candy store. It's like, oh, you're giving me Suicide Squad. Oh, it's, like, it's, it's on TV. I'm going to. It's like on the big screen. It's a movie. I'm going to take it. Yeah, I don't like, care if it's Batman or Robin. I'll watch it. Oh, Schwarzenegger <laughs> is Mr. Freeze. Cool. Awesome. Like, I, I always try to go in with a very open mind. And so that's when people ask me about Justice League. I'm like, well, it was really good. For a DC movie, <laughs> take yeah. it what it is. Yeah, like if you try to compare the two, you're gonna be disappointed. But like if you just go in and just enjoy it for what it is, like it's not 
horrible. Like, yeah. <laughs> it's not a painful experience. Well, my friend Diana will, you know, her 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 thoughts is like I'm done with that. DC <laughs> is terrible. Uh, Wonder Woman was perfect though, in my idea. I liked it a lot. Uh, yeah. It was really good. I really liked it. It it just it gave every girl everything that they wanted in a female superhero, honestly. And every yeah. guy was just like, "Wow, she's hot." <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, and on top of that, she did a great job, honestly, as Wonder Woman. I, oh, yeah. I can't really, and it's like. You know, seeing the Princess Bride in there kicking ass as uh, and an Amazonian. Come on, man. Yeah, mm-hmm. it's like, wow, damn, you're hotter. <laughs> <laughs> but you know, honestly, it's to me, I, I loved it. You know, uh, I when I saw that twice, but you know, I saw that at the drive-in, nice. so it's wonderful. You get to go see it, and it's like, oh, there's another movie. I'm like, okay, and then I see one movie, and it's like, oh, I'll stay for this. <laughs> so to me, it was like two, two movies for one. I'll do that at a drive-in. And oh, yeah. to me, honestly, they were, it was great. Um, but, you know, the ending, obviously, it was the only thing I, you know, it's like, you know, with DC, with their uh, evil characters, you know. Yeah. Yeah, to me, I, I was not too happy with uh, who, who played the antagonist in that one. Yeah. And how it was portrayed, but. Uh, that's it, that's it, one of DC's kind of shortcomings, I think. Because that's, that's my biggest gripe I'll give with Justice League without any kind of spoiler to it is, the way they did the heroes and the team up was fun, but the villain is where they really fell short. Yeah. I, <laughs> yeah. Well, to me, honestly, the best DC movie that came out over the years, I would say within the past fifteen years, would be Watchmen. Okay. And yeah. I, I, I was a big fan of Watchmen. I bought it when it came out. Um, I have like three issues of the first issue and two issues of the second and. And all the rest in singles, and they're still boarded and bagged. Um, nice. But um, when that came out, and I didn't see it in the theater, I got it on Blu-ray, and I was like, oh, I'm going to sit here and watch I'm like, oh, my God, why didn't I go see this when it came out? <laughs> and I was too busy working, obviously. You know, I think it came out during the holidays or something. But regardless, to me, I was like, this is perfect. Jeffrey D. Morgan as a comedian, and you know, you have a lot of great actors playing the other characters. And mm-hmm. uh, Billy Crudup as Dr. Manhattan, I was just like, oh, Billy Crudup, really? The Rocketeer? And then <laughs> I was like, oh, okay. It's like, oh, it's like, damn. They made him look a lot like in the comic. <laughs> <laughs> and then Rorschach, uh, who's my favorite character out of all the series. And if anybody is out there that has not picked up Doomsday Clock, please do so. Uh, they sold out apparently at my local comic shop, and I recommend reading it. It's bringing the Watchmen into the DC universe for the superheroes. Um, I will definitely there is no, check that out. Yeah, yeah, there is no cursing in this one at this point, but I'm hoping they actually get a little bit adult about it. And then, whereas Superman, I'm not asking for Superman or Batman or anybody else to curse, but you know, you know, when you got somebody who comes out and uh, spoilers in one. Two, three, four, five. Okay, at the end of Watchmen, the original series, if you not picked up the trade paperback, sorry you're hearing this, Rorschach dies. So, obviously, in the first episode, there's somebody who's Rorschach. So, it's like, oh my god. <laughs> and they're bringing my character back? How are they going to do this? Is this his son? Is this somebody who's a fan of his and wants to become him? And stuff like that. So, you know, you got to pick up that first issue and figure it out. 
Um, I got the lenticular cover version, and I got uh, another uh, pretty much variant of it uh, with uh, black and white covering with Superman on on the front, which is amazing. Um, but uh, it's something that you know I mentioned in the last episode of uh, panels to pixels. But to me, honestly, it's yeah, you can't go wrong with uh, comics these days. They're 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 pulling out stops in certain areas. You know, between like you know. Well, last year they had Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles with Batman, and you know, to me that I thought that was kind of cool. You see that they're doing a part two of that. Yes, I do. <laughs> uh, yeah, I, I know somebody that loves it, and uh, he enjoys his turtles. Uh, I I grew up on turtles when they were in the comics and when they first came out, and I actually have the first, jeez, <laughs> twenty <laughs> issues, original copies, and they're hard to come by, and uh, I don't really want to part with them, even though they're costly. <laughs> they're all first print issues and stuff, but you know, you got to love comics. <clears throat> um, yeah. So, well, with that, I'm going to go on to uh, uh, <clears throat> news about the new Infinity War trailer. Okay, cool. <clears throat> so, basically, um, it showed Spider-Man with a new costume that Tony had, uh, Tony Stark had offered him in Homecoming, at the end of Homecoming. It's uh, yeah. a metal suit. It's very uh, reminiscent of, like, in the comics, like the Civil War, Iron yeah, Spider. Exactly. <laughs> and uh, the thing is, is it's not the Iron Spider in the sense where that one is kind of, like, yellowish and reddish. Yeah. And had all the metal... uh had the little, like, spider yeah, legs to it. Mandibles and all that <laughs> stuff that they had on it. And, uh, you know, it didn't have all that. But the thing is, is I think that was meant really specifically for this war. Uh, mm-hmm. I'm pretty sure we won't see it anytime soon, but I'm sure Tony gives that in another movie or something yeah. to uh, to Peter, and it's more of like an Iron Man suit for Spider-Man yeah. that enhances his stuff. Now, like the cool thing part about that whole Infinity War uh, trailer that we got was the spider sense and we never got to see that with this new Spider-Man. So yeah. the hair's raising up on his arms and everything. To me, that was like, finally. Yeah, so you know that, sense. okay, he's got it. <laughs> he does have it. So they they basically told us that before Homecoming, he doesn't have any spider sense. Now it's like, oh, he's got him. Mm-hmm. So to me, I was I was happy about that. So uh, that that was uh, my part for uh, comic book news. I have another one, but uh, if you have one, Pake, I'll I'll let you go on that. I think that's that's it for news. Oh, that I've okay. Got. Well, today uh, today is Wednesday. Today is uh, December sixth, and it's a Wednesday. And I picked up my new Walking Dead issue. I did awesome. too. Haven't read it uh, yet, but I have uh, it. <laughs> Yeah, I know. Mr. Blog told me to read it, and I haven't had a chance. And thank you, Mr. Blog and Grace. Which we love I you. Also, yeah, we love you guys. Uh, uh, I'm going to have to add to this comic news uh, because I do listen to Under the Comic Covers, and I do love Gracie Lou, and I do love Mr. Blog. Mm-hmm. Um, I do not read all the issues that they go to. I usually li- uh read Injustice, Outcast, uh, Walking Dead, and uh, he got me into Paper Girls. Uh, been listening to them for a long time now, and uh, when I can't even get the comic or can't afford it that way, you know, we all get that way, I listen to them. And it's awesome to listen to them because 
Mr. Blog and Grace are awesome to listen to. So oh, yeah. my recommendation is uh, listen to on their comic covers, uh, listen to them, and uh, if you are an Image Comics fan, that's usually what they uh, read about. So uh, mm-hmm. do that. Uh, yeah. We got to thank. Uh, you know, like I said, Mr. Blog and Gracie from Under Comic Covers. Got to also thank uh, Jason Gabassi and Karen Morve from Walking Dead cast. Without yeah. this, wouldn't be an inspiration to do. Oh, as yeah. well as Rima Joe and Sean Hanniger from Strange Woo-hoo. Indeed. <laughs> so that's about Stranger uh, Stranger things. things. So Man, and, and there's, there's uh, so many good podcasts about all of the greatest things. <laughs> and, and I have to also add in Mr. Brian Malosh, who's part of Walking Dead Talk Through. <laughs> and uh, right now he's in a series of floating hosts, and I was one of the hosts, uh, co-hosts at one point. So uh, thank you, Brian, uh, for getting my feet wet into this. So uh, with that, we'll continue on, uh, like I said, new Walking Dead issue. And... Uh, those of you out there who love to promote or help out your podcasters do so, and I'm not asking for myself. I'm asking for uh, Brian, uh, Jason and Karen. Uh, Jason and Karen belong to a Patreon for The Walking Dead cast. So uh, it's through Pod- Podcastica is the uh, podcast group that uh, sends out the, the Walking Dead cast. And uh, Jason and Karen have a cool group, and uh, Pake and I are part of it. Yeah. As well as Avelino, who was on last episode, and so is Steve Brown on the next. Uh, we do nothing. I'm not trying to endorse them. I'm just saying, open your mind, open up your wallet in some way, uh, <laughs> listen to them, give it a listen. If you love it, do so. Keep them going. Um, Jason's an awesome guy. If you're a Walking Dead fan, he does a lot of the panels on uh, Walker Stalkers. Yeah. So he's awesome to talk to and hang out with. Um, a lot of the Patreon is more of like a bunch of friends, family that you cannot live without because mm-hmm. we have a Facebook page exclusively to that. And for $10 or more, you could be part of that. And... Uh, you know, you could take part of talking to us. We all have our own little groups. We all have little talks. Uh, it's amazing. We 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 all just have fun, and that's how I got Paik. I got Steve. Yeah. I got Avelino uh, to come on to talk. You know, it's like we're all just helping each other out, and they want to have fun too. So yeah. I usually open that door, and I plan on keeping that door open for this for the anybody who's interested in comic books, comic book movies comic book TV shows come on, hey, I'll be willing to talk about the old Nick Hammond Spider-Man series from 1977 <laughs> that's how much I love comics I loved that when I was a kid I grew up on the Hulk, I grew up on Linda Carter's Wonder Woman how many of you watch those and say, I want to talk about that that's what I wanted to do that's what I'm doing now so, uh, Pake, do you have anything that you like to let, talk about in comics that you're not so ashamed of? Because, honestly, I just talked about Nick Hammond. And <laughs> <laughs> so. oh, I don't know. Well, this may be, uh, let's see, with my comic books, I'm actually newer to comic books. So I think what really got into it was, like, a lot of the help of, uh, 
well, like The Walking Dead was a big starting point. I've read The Walking Dead comics. They were the only comic book that I read for years. I started in like the third season of the show. And so like after like three seasons, I was like, okay, I really like this, but I keep hearing about all of this like comic book like references. I need to see what that's about. And I just went and bought like every volume that existed up until then, which I think was right about issue 100, which is a pretty pivotal issue. And so, of course, I got to that was like the last one. And then I was like, well, now I have to keep reading every week. <laughs> um, <laughs> did you get into Hellboy? I haven't yet, no. I need to. Uh, did you watch the old movies? I have, yes. All right. Uh, my recommendation, I actually got into Hellboy when it came out. And uh, I think I got the first five issues. I don't know if I still have them. That's the question, because after moving uh, 17 years ago, where I'm at now, a lot of things got lost and got thrown away and things like that. Mm -hmm. and I think I lost, like, two long boxes. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and those were involved. But um, uh, I, I used to get all that stuff, and that was uh, they started Hellboy at uh, I think they wasn't Dark Horse, but it was called something else, and it was part okay. of Marvel. And uh, they uh, they had that they had Web of Spider Man. Everything was coming around that time, and that was one of those one of off offshoot kind of comics at the time. To me, I wasn't really into it at the time, but I kept on to them. I held on to them. Obviously, I can't find them anymore. But uh, I really got to enjoy the first movie. Uh, I really, really loved the second movie, and then I'm so sad that they never came out with a third movie. Yeah. Because I really loved the the actor that played him, and honestly, he was great. And now they got uh, the guy who plays in Strange Things, who plays Hopper, to yeah. play Hellboy. And you can't that's, go wrong with exciting. that. That's <laughs> exciting. Like yeah, he, he actually worked out for it, too, which is like... Uh, mm -hmm. You know, I forget the name of the actor, but you know, he he actually, you know, yeah, David Harbour. Go on, yeah, David Harbour. Yeah, yeah don't go uh, get Rima started. <laughs> yeah, re, yeah, yeah, Rima will re me out. <laughs> about that. She loves David Harbour, uh, but he did work out, and apparently, he, he worked out a bit. Uh, I don't think so much, but I was told there was a lot of uh, makeup involved. But even still, mm -hmm. he's a lot. He's a very tall. Strong man, you could tell, and you yeah. know he worked out for that. To me, honestly, I can't wait for that to come out because it looks a little bit more rock and roll for okay. Hellboy in this one. Instead of a little ponytail, he's got long hair. Um, you know, to me, it's like I was like, rock on, this is awesome. <laughs> yeah, to add to what I was saying, I like, yeah, I read more than Walking Dead now, just so people don't have to. Oh no, but no, uh, but. Really, right now, what I stick to is a lot of uh, DC comic books. I got into those just last year, I think, when they dropped uh, Rebirth, because I finally decided, I was like, okay, everything's starting over at number one. This is the time to jump on. And oh, you didn't do the new 52? I didn't. That was before my interest had peaked enough. Oh, okay. And so with Rebirth restarting everything last year, I was like, this is the time to... So I got the, like, Rebirth comic. I was like, this is where I'm going to see if, like, this is kind of going to be my thing, and definitely was. And so I've got quite a few little series that I'm keeping up with now, and I'm enjoying it a lot um, as far as the DC side of things go. I prefer Marvel when it comes to the movies and a lot of live action, but but the, the comic books, DC has been killing it. 
Oh, definitely. There was a, a new uh, Batman last year at one point where it was a specific set. I've, I have it, and it was amazing. Yeah, right now the big DC event going on is they got their metal event going on. It's kind of wrapping up, but I think they still got a couple of months left to go, and they've been tying everything into it. And it's like the first time that I had read some of these just because I had to get every issue that was part of this crossover event because it's been so good. Yeah, it's a, it's a good time in comics at this point, too. Mm-hmm. I'm hoping that Marvel comes back with the uh, Fantastic Four because they had to shelve that for a while due to Warner Brothers. Okay. Uh, and it had to do with the last movie that came out, which was, <laughs> I don't know, Josh Trank. I liked Josh Trank's first movie. And then when I heard that he was doing I was like, oh. I was like, and then Kevin Smith started giving up, like, oh, he's great, and this and that. And then, and then the movie came out, and then bottomed out. Yeah. I could understand where he was coming from with the movie, but the thing is, is that it was entertaining, but the thing was, it wasn't my Fantastic Four. Now, yeah. not to say that with Spider-Man Homecoming, you know, uh, I'm not trying to say anything within race, but MJ, I thought that was a great call. Um, mm-hmm. How they made Mary Jane. It's like, just call me MJ. I'm like, wow, that is awesome. So, uh, And then on top of that, the love interest not being your typical... You know, it's like I would love to see Miles Morales come out in some way. I think he will at some point. They made a uh, reference to him. Yeah, definitely with uh, his uncle. Yeah, I think uh, he actually calls, I think Donald Glover's character actually refers to him by the name Miles in a deleted scene. I have it on Blu-ray. I need to go back and see if they have that on there, but I think I heard that somewhere. I have it as well, and uh, I have to go back myself and look. Uh, I, I really want to see more diversity, and um, Marvel over the past 30 years have become more diversified. Now, mind mm-hmm. you, in the 70s, we had Luke Cage and all that, and it was kind of like, you know, it's like all the cliches and everything else. So uh, the best thing that Marvel did, though, with Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. was the other Ghost Rider. They didn't use Johnny Blaze. They used uh, the secondary, uh, no, the third Ghost Rider with the car. And to me, honestly, that I like that one. <laughs> now, I, I, I never grew up on that one, but I always grew up with Johnny Blaze. So I'm hoping to see, you know, more and more of this. I, I want to see more di- diversity. If they could do that, uh, and DC's doing that too. If you look at it, it's like Barry Allen's not a white kid; he's Hispanic. And to me, I, I thought that was a that was a bold step, and that was awesome. Mm-hmm. And then changing Aquaman from his like little orange tights to uh, <laughs> <Yeah>. Cal Drago. <laughs> nah, I like I like what Momoa did though. I like it a lot. <laughs> I, I have not watched it, but I like everything that I see, and I like the idea of the surfer dude <laughs> with the long hair and definitely with the the Samoan style uh, tattoos that he's got on. Yeah, too. And it's like you know, to me that's like you know, it's like. As long as they give me Black Manta and and uh, uh, Aquaman movie, I'm, I'll be happy. I think that has been confirmed. So yeah, that would be cool. Uh, yeah, it's gonna be cool. Gotta love comics, and that's yeah. what we're all about. And we're all oh, about yeah. talking about it. Uh, if anybody wants to comment, there is a Facebook page called Panels to Pixels. So leave your comment onto Panels to Pixels. 
uh, in Facebook. Uh, you could also reach us at Panels to Pixels, P-A-N-E-L-S-T-O-P-I-X-E-L-S, one, the number one, at gmail.com. So you can write us to that, and then uh, we'll read on it. Uh, we'll read your comments um, from your Facebook comments, and we'll read your email. So if you have any things that you want to be done in a future episode, please let us know. Uh, we have a few ideas. Uh, I have a few people that have interest in doing specific movies. Uh, I'm sure other podcasters have done them. Um, eventually I'm going to be doing it with my, fi- my friend Diana Frank. We're going to be doing uh, Strange Thing, uh, not Doctor Strange, sorry, no Strange <laughs> Things. We don't do strange things here. <laughs> Only strange things that we talk about, which is, you know, comic books. Uh, so we'll be talking about Doctor Strange. Uh, that will be a sole podcast based upon that. Um, eventually, when Punisher wraps up, we'll have that podcast. And then um, if you guys have any information that you want to pass off, you're more than welcome to put that on the email and the comments page. Or if you want to talk about an older show, I'd be more than willing to talk about Lois and Clark as a whole. Or uh, the original Spider-Man from the 77. Or even the Captain America that came out in the 70s and the 80s. Uh, I'll, you know, there, there are a ton of different movies that are out there. There was an actual Doctor Strange movie that was on broadcast TV. And yes, I have watched it. As well as the Roger Corman Fantastic Four, so there are all those. There are, are other things that we could talk about, and uh, if you want to hear about them or join in, you know, contact us. Let us know. Uh, I'm very open to a lot of things. Uh, I'm not saying this is an open podcast to anybody. I'm just stating that this is something that I like to talk about, and if there are my friends that are out there who are in podcasting that want to join in and talk about it more than welcome to come in. Uh, I like a lot of things that are out there that are pop culture um, in the off season, maybe in the summer when there's not so much. <laughs> we'll talk about something else that is pop culture. Yeah, but a lot in, of in the meantime, right we'll now. talk about more Marvel, more DC, more Image, any of the comic books that are out there, the only thing I will not do is all the adult comics. Sorry, I will not go there. I'm talking about superheroes. We're talking about everything we grew up on. Mm-hmm. We're all kids at heart. We want to be kids. So with that, I'm going to say thank you, Paik. Oh, thank you for having me on here. I really appreciated it. I had a good time. <laughs> yeah, it's a good time to do this. You know, it's always a good time to talk about comic books and comic book movies and TV shows. Mm-hmm. So, and I'm going to thank you all for listening. <laughs>